Welcome to The Power of Showing Up, a podcast brought to you by Ray's Foundation, the experts in youth mentoring. My name's Georgie Gardner, and I'm a very proud Ray's ambassador and host of this podcast. Today, I'm speaking to the 2022 Australian Youth Representative to the United Nations, Angelica Ojanaka. She is a passionate youth activist advocating for young people in mental health awareness, gender justice and youth voices in service provision and decision making. In today's episode, you'll learn what's important to young people right now and how to elevate the voice of young people within your community. Angelica, welcome to the Power of Showing Up podcast. It is such a pleasure to meet you in person. As a young person in today's world, I wondered if you could give us a sense of what the most pressing issues are. When you engage with young people, and I know you do that often, uh, people from all cultural and economic backgrounds in urban, regional and rural parts of this country, what are they telling you? What are, what are they most concerned about? Yeah, there are a few things. Um, and I like to preface by saying that sometimes we see young people as like a separate or experiencing separate things to the rest of society. Um, but I like to say that um, we are experiencing the same things that, you know, our parents are, our friends are, our families are, um, those who are of a different generation to us, but in a unique way. Um, and that's what a lot of young people have been sharing with me. So, um, and even for myself, I recognize that too. So um, a lot of conversations around environment, particularly climate, but also social environments and economic environments um, and just the feeling of insecurity and instability in all of those areas um, is something that keeps coming up um, for young people. And I, it's so important to recognise that when we say environment, it means a lot of different things um, and that experience um, is both positive and negative for young people, um, depending on where they're coming from, depending on their context and their personal experiences as well. Um, the other thing um, that I would say, especially in the current climate that we're in, um, we're in this period of time where we're um, returning to or recovering from a lot of things that have happened over the past two years. Um, and so there, I've described it as almost like a grieving of instability, um, or stability, I should say. Um, and I describe it as that because a lot of young people have this sense of loss of hope for what could be for their futures, what they saw before. Um, the pandemic and other events happened um, in their own personal lives. Um, and they're grieving this idea that I don't think I can achieve that or I don't think I can um, become this you know, profession maybe in the future because it won't help me survive financially because of what I'm seeing right now. Um, and so that unique experience is right now is impacting a lot of young people. Uh, the other thing I would add to that is a lot of young people have been sharing with me this um, persistent form of, I guess, inequity and discrimination that they're experiencing. And I use those terms broadly um, because that can apply to many different things. So um, whether it's access to resources, feeling that they are still unable to access the supports that they need for their well-being, um, for their general health as well. Um, a loss of connectivity in comparison to others who are feeling a lot more connected. Um, 
So we'll talk about the digital world that we're in. Um, it's fantastic that we've moved to that, but there's still a lot of young people who are um, l lost in terms of their connectivity in the digital space, whether it's because they don't have the resources or access to um, all the digital literacy to support them um, in the way they want to be supported. So there's many different things, um, but there's also a lot of great joyous things happening as well amidst all of that. I wondered if I could just hone in on the word hope yeah. because to me hope is critical. Hope is everything really yeah. and if our precious young people are losing a sense of hope that's a real worry isn't it? It is um, and I think we're underscoring how painful <laughs> that loss of hope can be um, because it impacts a lot of parts of your personal life. I know for myself um, taking the pandemic into mind and my own personal experiences. I was studying, um, started a new course at the time and it was initially so exciting. Um, but then I started to see my sense of hope for what that could be deteriorate because of a lot of things that were impacting that and the social isolation that um, I experienced, you know, during, during that time. And um, I think my sense of hope though came from the fact that a lot of people were a lot more open about their experiences. A lot more young people were open about um, the, real the realities that they were going through um, and also the good things happening for them. And I think that that is super powerful, uh, at least from what other young people are saying too, that um, despite a lot of negative things occurring or a lot of um, things changing in our lives, that the sense of hope comes from being able to see others thrive, being able to see others feel like they can be open. Yeah. And and seeing other people be vulnerable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Too frequently, of course, there there is an attitude that the thoughts and views of young people don't really count. They're almost undeserving of having a seat at the table. Um, how do we change that and ensure that young people are heard? Yeah. I think there has to be a shift in our mindset in terms of this idea of being heard um, or this idea of making spaces friendly enough for young people to participate. Um, when we're talking about whether it's decision-making or whether it's participation in school or just participation in work and other parts of life, um, there are multiple things that have to be considered for young people to feel that they are being valued and heard. The first is to make that space affirming for young people. Um, so going beyond friendly, affirming. And that means that, you know, when young people have something to share, that it's taken into account. Um, or when they have feedback um, and they've contributed to an idea that they hear back about how there was some sort of change or um, what, you know, that what they had to share actually meant something um, in terms of what they contributed. Um, and just those small principles matter a lot in this idea of young people feeling heard. It's definitely not just a, we listen, we absorb and that's it. It goes beyond that. Um, the other thing is around safety. So um, young people, we want to have the tools to be able to safely navigate different spaces and contribute our experiences, whether it's lived or living, um, to the different spaces that we're in. Um, and so establishing, um, you know, safe spaces for young people to do so where um, they're given the resources that they've either asked for or they um, need because of their unique and varying identities um, is so important to make sure there's that equity 
um, in being able to be heard because we're not all one homogenous group. So how I would felt have felt um, in terms of uh, elevating and amplifying my voice looks so different to my siblings. I know that, I definitely know that for sure. Um, and so we need to value that. We need to value the uniqueness of young people and in, in, in what they can bring and what they can share. Um, the other thing that comes to mind when it comes to being um, young people being heard and particularly young people having a seat at the table um, is I often like to say that having a seat at the table is one step, but I think we have to recognize that young people have so many ideas um, and so many profound experiences on the ground um, in their own world that they almost have their own table, if that makes sense. Yes. Or maybe they don't have a table. They don't have a table. Maybe a table's outdated. Exactly. And so I think we have to kind of reshift that kind of mindset um, and go beyond just a seat at the table, but recognise are there tables missing or, or broken or that young people are trying to build and create because of what they're seeing and bring that to the conversation, be beside them. That is such a, an important point. And then on the, on the other side of the ledger, for young people listening who perhaps feel powerless when it comes to using their voice and being heard, what is your advice to them? Um, my advice is, and I'm going to go based off my own personal experiences, um, there were times where I definitely felt powerless that I kind of thought that a lot of what was happening was either my fault or um, I was just too young. <laughs> you know, to be involved. I was just too young to, um, to matter. Um, and so my advice is to young people who feel that way, um, would be just to know that even the smallest thing that you have to say, or the smallest thing that you have, or idea that you have is much more bigger than you think. Um, and even when, you know, it might take years to realize that, and that is okay. Um, just know that anything that comes out of your mouth or is in your mind um, is exciting and is an important part of society and that um, whatever you have to contribute um, matters so much to the people around you. Um, and just remembering, even if people don't say it with words, um, you know, people feel it. And I think that it took me a while to realize that. Um, but when I did, that's when I started to feel a lot more like, yes, I can be an active citizen in my community. I can be an active part of uh, change or I can just be me <laughs> and that's fine. And that's yes, and that's completely enough. If you don't mind, I want to, I want to um, explore a little bit more about your upbringing and um, how you've got to where you are because from the age of three to 19, I read that you witnessed and experienced gender-based and family violence. Uh, at the age of nine, you became a carer for a sibling with a disability. You were in a single parent household and suffered from various mental health challenges. You have faced immense adversity uh, right from the beginning and yet, you're choosing to draw on that lived experience to be an advocate for change, which is so commendable. When you think back to your very darkest times, Angelica, what was it, do you think, that stopped you from, from, from giving up and falling victim to your circumstances? Mm. There, were, oh, there were many times where I was just on the brink. Um, and I think when you're at that feeling where you're just on the brink of, I can't do this anymore, um, or I just feel like there's nothing else that matters. The thing that I recognize now that drew me back to being able to continue um, was to see other people who would, who 
were in the same exact circumstance like me feel like they could continue on. So actually having a visual image of myself beyond these times. Um, and so for me, that was my mom, uh, biggest inspiration to me, <laughs> biggest inspiration to me personally. Um, she was that visual image of, yes, things are really dark right now, but they will be okay at some point, whether it's okay in the littlest form or in the biggest form, um, just being able to recognize that there was someone like me, you know, and I was going through certain experiences with her, um, who triumphed over that, that to me was like, okay, I can hold on just a little bit because I see some sense of, I think we're going back to this word hope, um, that there's this sense of hope that I have. The other was that I just felt at some point, and I particularly remember this in year nine, um, is that I was going through a really difficult experience in school um, and my teachers were there to support me there. And it was really, um, they were profoundly important um, to that journey. But um, the one thing that kept coming up in my mind was that surely there are others who are like me, who just need that one person to, as, as an image to, you know, to show that it's, it's okay, that you can, um, you can feel like you can be yourself regardless of all this that's happening, that there is a positive line out there. And I just kept holding on to that. Um, and I recognize sometimes that actually that was an unhealthy thing um, to feel like I had to be this role model or I had to be this example that it will be okay um, because it made me put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, but at the same time, um, that idea that I just needed my community to know that it's okay, that we can get through this, um, that was what stuck with me. That's really interesting. So in a way, you found a purpose. Yes. And and in that instance, it was other people perhaps coming to you and expressing their dark times or, or, or their lows and and. And problems? Pretty much. Um, my sense of purpose also, I should say, like being an older sister, <laughs> I think naturally... Um, You're a carer. I, yeah. Naturally, as a carer, as someone who wanted to show example, um, that was embedded in me and um, imparted in me from my mom, um, but also just from what I wanted to see for their futures as well. And so um, my purpose became that everything I do would be community focused, that I just wanted the community to, to be better, that I wasn't alone. I'm part of a bigger group. Um, and together as a bigger group, let's, let's feel like we can be ourselves again. Let's feel like we can, um, do what we want to and, and prosper. And that as a, I can say those, that in those words now, but definitely when I was younger, um, I didn't know what I, couldn't put those words together, but that's how I felt. Um, that's what I recognise now. I've always loved that saying, a problem shared is a problem halved. Yeah. And it is so true. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it is the responsibility of the whole community to mm. support and, and, and ensure the well-being of young people. Give us some practical ways to do that. If, if there are people listening who would love to reach out and be more involved with young people. I mean, Raise is the perfect platform. Definitely. But just generally speaking, as a community, how do we lift up those who are perhaps the most vulnerable? Yeah. Um, so I can start, I guess, with a few different kind of communities in terms of like place based. So like let's take school for example, because school shapes a lot of young people's lives, um, those who are engaged in school. Um, 
for myself, I what I recognize now was so powerful to my overall well-being um, and was to see that my teachers um, and, and the actual broader school staff um, saw what was important to me in terms of feeling included. And, for, um, and I recognized that was actually sport. So I was really passionate about sport, loved it, played everything under the sun in school. Um, but what I noticed was that all the staff recognized that sport was my escape from a lot of what was happening in my world. Um, and so what they did was actually facilitate more opportunities for me to be involved in sport. Or when they have simple conversations with me at recess and lunch, that's what they would talk about. Yeah. Um, and I think even... So it's an, it was an easy touchstone. Exactly. Um, and sometimes that's just it. Like sometimes it's just, under, um, you know, thinking about, well, how is it that I can understand this young person better in a way that relates to them? Um, whether it's just the small conversations I have for five minutes with them when I'm interacting at the shops um, or at a, like in school um, and actually holding on to that and that being and, and realizing that you don't have to do so much. You don't have to go and do, I guess, you know, courses on advocacy or, you know, and that sort of thing. It's just as simple as the conversations that we have with young people and changing the way we do that. But the other stuff is great. <laughs> definitely, definitely, there's a lot of what's really awesome now is that young people are mobilizing so much more in terms of saying what they want and saying, you know, uh, sharing about the world that they live in, um, in different spaces, whether it's online or whether it's in school groups or different council groups that I've been a part of, um, come to those spaces, meet young people where they're at rather than young people coming to you, if that makes sense. So. Yes. And everyone can do that in their day to day. Exactly. Um, just, just talking to someone on the street when you're sitting waiting for the bus. I mean, it doesn't really matter where or how or, yeah. but just to, to show a, a sense of connection and that you care. Yeah, I can. Um, it can make a, it can make a huge difference. Massive difference. Mm. I remember for me moving different houses, um, you know, throughout uh, primary school and high school, one of the things that I remember was in one sub suburb that I had absolutely no clue, <laughs> no clue about. And I was very upset that we moved from my other suburb because I loved it. Um, this one bus stop that I'd always get off, um, there was this one woman who would always get off at the same time. Um, and she would start to have conversations with me just about how was school, that sort of thing as I was going back, um, regardless of, and there was some, some days where she wasn't there and I definitely felt that. I definitely felt that Her absence. absence. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, it isn't until now that I've realized that experience of just this person who thought I was, you know, cool enough to talk to um, is what I want other young people to feel like, yeah, you matter even in the smallest, even in, even in the walk back home, like that is like so profound. Like it doesn't have to be um, these big grandiose kind of like, I don't know if I said that word properly, but you know, <laughs> these big kind of things that we do, it's just small stuff like that, that in future, um, being future oriented, like I, that woman probably doesn't even you know, maybe doesn't remember me, maybe doesn't remember those experiences, but I remember them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, and chances are you weren't the only one. Exactly. If she was that way inclined, let's hope that there are many others who, who benefited from her kindness and her, her, her caring ways. That's it. Tell me then your thoughts about the RAISE Foundation, because it sounds to me that RAISE 
is providing exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Um, the simple principle of just meeting young people where they're at um, is what I see in Raise. It's what brought me, um, you know, to being involved in the organisation and the capacity that I have um, and also the value of mentoring. Um, I, at the time in school, didn't call it those words, but now I realise that it was mentor. It was mentoring. Um, you know, the relationships that were being formed in, in terms of just being able to say what I was going through um, and ask questions just about, you know, you know, how can I do this? And not necessarily give like, you know, specific advice, but just lead me in a direction that um, mattered to me. Um, and, you know, just the people who were in my school environments who supported me that way. Um, that whole concept of mentoring um, is what I just absolutely love about race. Um, and that it's also, you know, part of it are peers of, you know, I guess in this young, young people cohort, but also those who are not peers. Um, I think that that mix is of mentors and um, program counsellors, et cetera, is so important because that's the world that we navigate in. Um, there's definitely a space for different forms of mentoring, but mentoring where you get to be part of a community that looks like the community outside of Raised is super cool. Um, and so that's what I've absolutely loved about, you know, just being part of observing Raised from the outside and knowing um, people who have within my family and also other people who have had mentoring through Raised, um, but also just seeing the value um, from and the excitement on like the staff spaces. I don't think I've actually said this to any of them, but um, there's a lot of joy that radiates from this experience of knowing that you're just imparting on young people's lives. And I think that that joy is what I would love to see in the rest of, of the world um, because we all, we young people feel that and we see that and that's can be just, again, a small thing that spurs us on. So, yeah. And for someone listening who perhaps has considered taking on a mentoring role but feels for whatever reason they don't have the credentials or they're not suited to it, yeah. what would you say to them? I would say don't worry about the credentials. <laughs> That's my first thing. Um, there's no perfect mentor. I think that we just – just knowing that is – enough to go yeah <laughs> cool if, if it's a messy process that's fine yeah because life young, is messy life is messy and we're all flawed exactly and young people know that too we know our lives are, are just are sometimes all over the place and the way that we think can be all over the place but um that's fine and I think that that's the organic that organicness of mentoring is what is so important in the mentee mentor relationship yeah the authenticity so, yeah so bring that like people just want to you um people just want to be around people and sometimes people that aren't like them or people who are like them um and so just recognize that you have something of value just by your presence alone and that is enough um you know whatever the mentor mentee relationship will look like is um definitely ambiguous but exciting um, and there's so much that you will learn from the process of engaging with young people um, at their level um, and that is I think the biggest thing that you can definitely take away from being a mentor um, and gives you a lot of insight into what we are thinking about our world um, not just uh, in a like you know in one time 
time frame, but actually seeing young people as beyond stagnant, just changing and moving and evolving. And that's what you'll see in the mentoring experience. So yeah, definitely do it. Beautifully put. Angelica, it is such a delight to meet you and I'm going to be watching your progress um, from here on in because I can see that uh, there's still many exciting and um, very valuable things that you have to contribute. We're very lucky to have you. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me.